we are recording with Miss Mr. Michael Fairclough, who Dr. McCullough put us in touch. How did you how do you know Dr. McCullough? Where are my manners? Please introduce yourself and then we'll get into how do you know Dr. McCullough? Uh, so I'm Mike Fairclough. Um, and yeah, uh, Dr. McCullough. Uh, so I first came across him when he was interviewed by Joe Rogan and I watched that, um, that interview and, and admittedly, like a lot of the stuff he was saying, I didn't, it kind of like, you know, didn't understand the technicalities of a lot of, a lot of things he was saying, but the general sort of cut and thrust of it, I was really, um, uh, I was really into, and uh, yeah, I think it was great of Joe to um, have had him on the show. And I know this, there was a lot of kickback and stuff. But anyway, after that point, started um, following him on on Twitter, and then um, about maybe two and a half months ago or something, um, I uh, I was interviewed by the Epoch Times about my um, stance regarding um, the vaccination of children against COVID-19 uh, because um, basically I'm, a, I'm a, a head teacher or a principal of a school in, um, in the UK and uh, but I'm to date the only school leader in the UK to speak out against the uh, vaccination of children against, uh, against COVID-19, which um, is a thing which really surprises me because it's in our job description to safeguard children against harm. But anyway, the Epoch Times ran a piece <clears throat> where I was just saying what my main concerns about vaccines are, which are just four, you know, it's four things which I always say, and it's one, children are at extremely low risk of serious illness from COVID. Uh, the COVID vaccines pose known very serious risks um, there is no long-term safety data for the vaccines and a person can still catch and spread COVID uh, when vaccinated against COVID-19 and that's it. And then, of course, at the end, therefore, in my opinion, uh, the risks from the vaccines outweigh any possible benefits. And it's, just, it's that simple equation. And um, anyway, the Epoch Times ran this, ran this piece and... Um, uh dr mccullough endorsed that on um twitter and um was basically just very kind of generous about um his approval of my of my stance and anyway um i had just been on a a ban um from uh twitter for a few like it was like my third ban for saying exactly those four points and i came back on uh, on the same day as this, uh, the Epoch Times ran this piece. Um, I, when I when I was always allowed back onto Twitter, I'd always post exactly the thing that I'd got kicked off uh, for, uh, and that was for two reasons. One, because I just wanted to test it out to see if it was, you know, it, how, you know, was it was it a person monitoring me? Was it was it an algorithm or whatever? So, I'd, and and there was also this bit of a kind of a rebelliousness, which is yes. like exactly that, <laughs> yeah. you know, just like, no, I'm going to just nah. do it. Because it doesn't really matter. You know, I've always said it's, um, you know, you've got to, you've got to speak your mind, yeah. make a stand and, 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 you know, don't really, um, of course, worry about the consequences, but don't be, don't uh, allow the consequences to, to inhibit you. So <clears throat> anyway, um, so then, uh, so that piece came out, I'd just been allowed back on, put this one post on um, about, uh, with those four statements, Dr. McCullough simultaneously 
um, uh, endorsed my stance um, from his Twitter account, and then I was permanently banned. Um, and uh, so anyway, so that was that. I thought, wow, okay, so that's um, that's that's I've, I've tested that one out then, and I know yeah. that that's what the outcome is. Um, and then a friend um, on Facebook who I've I've not met, um, but who we you know we follow each other on um, uh, Facebook. She said, oh, I've I've got a friend who knows Peter McCullough, and um, I think. Um, uh, well, anyway, some other people who's, who I can't remember who they were, but anyway, she, but it was it was Mr. it was Doctor McCullough who particularly stuck in my mind, and uh, she said, "Would you like me to try and like connect you?" And I said, "Yeah, absolutely, that'd be brilliant." And then I had an invitation from him to join um, the the email group and the COVID nineteen uh, sort of recovery uh, sort of uh, team. And uh, and and that's it. That's that's how I, that's how I know. And he very generously put me in touch with you, um, and then a couple of other people who you know we'll, we'll be talking to in the future as well. But yeah, that's that's the the background to that. And Dr. McCullough is the he's the slayer of social media accounts. He got <laughs> my episode with him was what got me permanently banned from YouTube, uh, August twenty twenty one. Again, most, <laughs> he was telling people. He wasn't even really against the vaccines. He was just telling people of all age groups because my audience ranges from like 10 years old to 90. He was mm. like, he's like, you should be taking a, a turmeric, quercetin, vitamin D and a zinc and you can get it at Walmart. That was it. That was the, I clipped that from a video and up, actually uploaded it separate from the podcast because it was only like 30 seconds and I know it would have been viewed more. So I just said, take your vitamins. That was the title of the video permanent ban hammer from you that was it that was that was it that was that was i have the screenshot of the email that was the one that yeah take your vitamins and and what uh bearing in mind um that will have been um, third strike stated on youtube many times and there'll be videos which say much more controversial things than that oh yeah Um, what was it was it the fact that it was dr mccullough or because of your profile, or the mixture of the two things. Well, I'd say the, well, I'd say uh, uh, strike one, strike two, and strike three, which occurred in like May 2021 for interviewing Dr. Hodkinson, talking about VARES data, microclotting, and um, uh, myocarditis, myocarditis, and then suspension one for having on Dr. McCullough, suspension two for having on Dr. Malone. And then suspension three for having on McCall to talk about vitamins. So I think I was earmarked for uh, for the uh, for the death sentence, but yeah. um, that was the final one. That one clip, take your vitamins, like yeah. thirty seconds long. Yeah, but it's the same thing. Like you said, it's just maybe it's just like me still. I don't know. I'm thirty two, but still acting like a like a you know a bratty fifteen year old. Just like don't tell me what to do, but. It's also like, I just can't sit with myself. If I'm like, there's just some, some excuse for a for a person sitting behind a computer somewhere, just you know, no guts to confront you. They just hide behind misinformation and they ban you. To me, that's no different than like a school bully. Like stand yeah. up to the bully. You might. I remember when my older brother is much stronger than me. I remember when I was little, my dad was like, "Stop running from like fights." 
So finally, one day my little brother or my older brother hit me. I hit him back. Now I was an idiot, and I did it when we were on a boat in the middle of the lake. And my dad was like, "Don't do it when you have nowhere to run to." And I, you know, I got beat up. But like, there is like a whole like even if even if you're gonna get you know punched in the face, like don't take it. Don't take it. You know, yeah, don't yeah. be stupid. I'm not saying start you know yelling at a cop at a traffic stop at 2 a.m. You know, but just something like you're gonna get banned. Not even the whole as an American, not even the whole free speech, like, you know, 17 set, just like in general, like what there's, there's yeah. this thing out there. This guy's the premier expert in the world on it and, yeah. it's, and it's causing actual damage, especially to kids. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to shut up. No. And, and, and I think, so, so I think there's several things there. There's one is um, obviously if one has self-respect, then you will stand up for yourself and stand up for others. Um it's about um so so for example like i've i have had my concern you know grave concerns regarding uh me speaking out because i have been investigated twice by my employer for literally just for that for for the for that um particular statement uh and complaints which came from um campaign groups who seek to get professionals in the education system and uh, the UK's um, health service removed for what they would regard as spreading medical misinformation. So, you know, being like say, saying things about masks or lockdowns or, or in fact, it, pretty much anything that's now coming to light to have been ineffective during the pandemic. Um, <clears throat> these uh, people made complaints about me. <coughs> I was investigated and I realised that um, being the only school professional sorry school leader in the UK to be speaking out that does put me in a in a vulnerable position and then I think about okay so if I were to be removed from my job then I wouldn't have um you know wouldn't be bringing in an income I've you know I've got children I've got a wife I've got a house all of those things so I have do have those uh, concerns but um there's a sense of um sense of liberation actually and empowerment that comes with doing the right thing and standing up and going actually I'm going to fight for the greater good I'm going to fight for kids and I'm going to do the right thing and the the sense of empowerment and liberation uh, which I think would eclipse um, completely um, first of all the fear but also that that sense of if I were to do nothing at all that sense of um deep regret and probably shame in myself for not having the balls to do something mm -hmm. so yeah so it's not that I've not had those um, concerns but then there's there's other things where it's like okay if I get kicked off um social media then 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 that's that's the way it goes well, but yeah. but I think there's it's, it's so important for people to be speaking out there's something that happened um it's happened over the last two days in the UK uh where PayPal has been uh demonetizing uh, groups and platforms who have been either talking about well mainly talking protecting children actually so I'll give you an example um, there's a parenting group called us for them which is co-founded by somebody called Molly Kingsley and uh, Liz Cole and um, it's a campaign group for children that's been running since 2020 and early on they were speaking out of, uh, about um, the closure of schools because um, we've been told consistently by all of the different um, scientists and all, even the, like, the opposing views that children are at extremely low risk of serious illness from COVID. So therefore, 
they don't really need to be excluded from school, et cetera, et cetera. And this uh, campaign group, which comprises of um, some really clever and really determined people, um, started to point out, well, there will be a knock-on effect on children's academic progress, um, their uh, personal and social development, uh, their speech and language skills, particularly if they're wearing masks. I mean, they, they listed all of, the, all of the harms and they were um, demonised for it um, back in 2020. Interestingly, now, even in mainstream media, they're admitting, oh, yes, now in retrospect, you know, children uh, 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 took the biggest hit out of all of the different cohorts during the pandemic. Um, oh, there's been a delay in um, speech and language. Oh, children's like their facial recognition isn't as good. Oh, there's a lot, you know, all of the things which were just blindingly obvious in 2020 and which now people are, are describing as if they're revelations. But anyway, this group um, became really big and I worked with Molly uh, supporting her um, uh, a, a couple of times uh, for The Telegraph. She's a great journalist, actually. She writes for The Telegraph and The Mail and um, Spectator, etc. And um, and then contributed to uh, a, a fabulous book um, that um, her and Liz have written called The Children's Inquiry, which goes into very great detail about all of the different things which happened to children over the pandemic and the how unscientific and unethical and unnecessary that was. Um, and then anyway, so, so that's the backstory. And then um, to today, uh, PayPal um, uh, closed down the Us For Them, this group's um, account. Now, this is where they receive donations and, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's what makes it kind of like awesome. work as, as an operator. Yeah, operable. And um, and they said it was for uh, violating the um, values and, and community guidelines of the of PayPal. Um, uh, yesterday, um, a, a publication called The Daily Skeptic um, was also demonetized for the same reason. Um, and they've spoken out about um, uh, lockdowns, et cetera, uh, since 2020. And also um, lockdown skeptics and um, the lawyer group um, uh, Law or Fiction, all of them in the last 48 hours. And, and, I, and I know most of the people involved in them as well. So we've been talking about this stuff on WhatsApp, et cetera. They have been in the same way that the Canadian truckers had their bank accounts frozen. The same thing is happening with these people in the UK with these groups. So the the uh, the, the the censorship um, is very real, and it needs to desperately be um, discussed. I think um, they, these guys have got quite a few uh, connections in the UK Parliament, so I know it's going to be coming to the floor of Parliament. Um, and there was a piece in the Telegraph uh, this morning as well. Uh, about this so it has hit mainstream media um, but it's the sort of thing that is just the beginning of what could in my opinion and I said this today in an, in an Epoch Times uh, interview that um, this just smacks of the Chinese Communist Party mm -hmm. social credit system oh, yeah. so so if you say what um, they want you to say no problem you get a rewarded pat on the back if you are a dissenting voice or just offer another narrative uh, or even question the official narrative, then uh, you'll be punished. And that's what's happening now. Do you have any Jewish, what is it, do you have any Juden under your floorboards? Do you have any Jewish people in your oh. ancestry? 
Oh, that'll exactly. never happen again. Well, exactly. There's a, there's that brilliant um, uh, clip of uh, Jordan Peterson. It was in 2019 when you he think was you wouldn't there. be a Nazi. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's so, so good. And um, the way that he describes all of the different kind of uh, sort of groups of um, those who just remain silent, which actually there are so many people who remain silent, aren't there, who I'm sure you get um, messages from people who say, oh, yeah, well done for what you're doing. You know, I I totally support you. And just to let you know, I can't say anything because dot dot yeah. dot i'll lose my job or deep deep platform whatever um so you've got those who are silent you've got the ones who are active participants so they actually believe in it all and the they want to, to 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 support it which is of course there is that that um camp and that's in, an interesting one because i for the people and and so I work with within a school and and across the county I'm also an author as well so I've got you know meet lots of different um different people and I do come across very genuine very heart-centered people who are very pro the vaccine sure. very pro the masks and all of that kind of thing but if they are that if and I've been able to connect with people like that um when they are the kind of people who accept me for my different opinion and yeah. I think it's totally possible to be in that space where you're not in that kind of antagonistic confrontational kind of vibe of like oh I'm unvaccinated you're vaccinated this nonsense that's actually what um tyranny wants is to divide yes. and rule yeah. but to connect with people so so those those people are, are kind of um uh I don't really have a problem with because um you know we've been trained from an early age to trust the government trust mainstream media trust the health service you know it seems inconceivable that um there could be some kind of collusion um in uh in a, in a in a in a way which is damaging and harmful to to the people it seems like well that's impossible why would that possibly happen um and then i think there's you can put in that within that that sort of mass formation psychosis aspect where you know well if everyone else is doing this then it must be fine so there's that kind of mentality um then you have those who uh do bad things and know exactly what they're doing and jordan peterson um talks about that third group of people you know who um are actually um uh, you know actively doing the things which are which are negative and, and harmful and then the final bit is he said and you know perhaps you may have even enjoyed it um you'll never know and um it's interesting because I kind of always wanted to be the sort of person who would be you know to 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 kind of do what I'm doing but didn't actually know that I would be until I was in that position because so it's not like I'm not fearful of some things or I haven't been flaky at times or you know not perfect in all aspects of my life but it's like oh cool it turns out actually I was that person you know that sort of in that minority who's able to do something but we do I feel very much so need to expand now and to wake even more people up particularly as there seems to be a speeding up now in terms of well like the example I just gave you this this uh, mission creep towards a social credit style system you do always have that question of like would i stand up to it and yeah i can say i have i can 
and all of the drawbacks, you know, you don't yeah. care. Nothing. I don't care about it. You know, you don't, you don't care about a criticism from a comment on YouTube. I, I don't care. Yeah. No, the, 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 the social engineering of, uh, of, uh, fam, family members or friends, when they reach out to you and they're like, dude, you're a conspiracy nut. You're a medical. I got into medical school out of college in 2013. Like, dude, I used to have so much respect. No, that is the one. Those are the ones that hurt the most. But you have to remove those and you have to go. Am I like, what do I really want? You know, if you truly believe you're doing the right thing, but your actions are like and we should throw them into camps. That's not the right thing. Mm-hmm. But if you objectively go. What do I really want? Like you have to, you have to examine yourself to make sure that you're not in your own bubble and you have to go, I want people to have the, do you want people to not get the vaccine? No, I think if you want to go get it, go get 10. I don't care. Okay. Well then I'm, I'm erring on the side of let's just leave each other alone, live and let live. And you, you do have to plant your feet. There are drawbacks. I've been investigated by much bigger than an employer. I've been investigated by a government agency four podcasts it's terrifying it's uh, to, to sit here and be like you got to stand strong in your beliefs you're lying through your teeth if you're not quaking in your boots but you have to stand tall you know you're not doing anything you got to stand tall in your convictions it's always important to remember that life does end yeah. whether it's at 32 or 132 the game does end so just don't forget that um <laughs> but there's also and I always have to be careful because it is such a tired analogy. You're Hitler. George Bush is Hitler. Obama's Hitler. Donald Trump is Hitler. Like, okay. But you also have to, I mean, one of my favorite books is Masters of Death, uh, about the Einsatzgruppen by the mobile death squads, the predecessors to the to the uh the death camps by Richard Rhodes. And then um a book I'm reading right now called the KL by Nicholas Foshman about the the concentration camp system. And I've talked about this extensively on 30 podcasts on here, so I won't bore the people. But what it boils down to is you have to remember is like there were absolutely some just demons at the Mm. top. And there were some demon henchmen. There were a lot of guys that you can literally go back and read their journals in their writing. You can find whatever the most generic German name is, Hans and Dieter you can see them writing to each other going like, I can't take it anymore. I can't, I can't shoot any more kids. I can't shoot any more women. And the other will be like, I can't do it either. But you have to remember if we don't do it, these kids will grow up to be soldiers and then our kids will have to do it. So remember your son when you're doing this and how much you love your son. And you're like, you're right. You're right. I love. And then you go, Oh my God. They, they thought they were protecting their it's one thing to go, it's an evil Nazi. Yeah, you know, it's like a demon with red with red wings. And you go, yeah, of course they're gonna do evil. And then you and then you read about it and you go, these guys were vomiting after. A lot of them would commit suicide. They'd drink themselves blind, and then they would console each other. They'd go, like, this isn't the front lines. You know, I can't fight, we're not fighting grown men. And they go, No, this is much harder. We have to assassinate, we have to shoot these kids. And these women in the back of the head, it was called Ginnit shoes. And when you shoot them in the neck and we have to pack them like sardines, because if you don't have the balls to do it, you're going to leave it to your son. And what man would want a son to inherit a, a worse world? And they go, you're right. You're right. And you're reading this and you're going, am I really feeling sympathy for the Nazis? And then if you say it out loud, you can't say it. And I'm dumb enough to say it on camera. And that's going to be clipped. Like I'm sure it's been before. Right. But you go and read this. And then you, that to me is what always makes the hair on my neck stand up. Cause you go, 
there are so many people that are going there are some people that just they revel in the power they hate their lives and now they can rat on people for having too many people over during quarantine or for spreading medical misinformation there are those people and those are sad pathetic souls and i think their existence alone is punishment but man there are people that are going we're doing it for his grandma i like tommy and i don't want to see him go to jail but i'm going to report him i'm going to i'm going to report uh, i'm going to report mike and it hurts me to do this but it's either i hurt him or i hurt my grandma and then you're going oh god and that's even worse because the person that has so so for me that's where um the application of logic yes um, is so essential so um are they heart-centered or are they so 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 the 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 again it's like with the with the with the vaccines it's like it's not a difficult equation Mm -hmm. um, particularly with children to 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 state again that um children are at extremely low risk of serious illness from covid now that's universally uh, accepted um there are known um very serious risks from the vaccines that's no longer a conspiracy it's well documented uh there's no long-term safety data unlike all other childhood vaccines and you can still catch covid most i don't know anyone now who's actually vaccinated who hasn't since got covid and of course spread it so it's not a, a wild conclusion to reach to say that um the risks outweigh the benefits so i would and then going back to your um, comparison with the with the with the kind of nazi guys i you know i feel like if that was me i would be thinking well um it, you know if this is about protecting my children uh i i i'll i'll just i'll, <laughs> I'll take them somewhere else like yeah. bugger off somewhere else i'm not but you know i i, I can't do um evil things to other people it's mm-hmm. not in my nature i had a had a uh situation today actually where um i was i, I won't be able to put, give too much detail but i was basically so i was hit with a um a baseball bat um ah. and in 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 a, a sort of altercation which i was able to de- de-escalate and uh and then to communicate with the individual involved and just say you know, I don't really get why somebody would want to um, deliberately inflict pain on another person. I don't, I, you know, if I, I, I of course, I'll, I'll upset people and um, do the wrong thing. And, and when that happens, I want to be able to like hold my hands up and say, yeah, I, that, I'm so sorry. That's not what, I've, you know, I didn't mean to do that. But I don't actually get any pleasure out of uh, causing harm or discomfort or anything to anyone else. And, um, uh, you know, this individual who I was um, communicating with, uh, I feel, uh, took that in. Um, we'll see how it kind of um, uh, sort of unfolds now. Um, but um, the, the, the point being, it's like if, with it, if I were in that uh, Nazi Germany situation, um, I think I would allow my gut, my, um, my uh, physicality, uh be my moral compass and navigate the way you know if you feel sick doing something and you feel like you know you want to kind of like you can't take it anymore it's probably a good sign that you're not on the right path do you know what i mean oh yeah that's why when you say oh you know do i trust my gut or um 
you know, you sort of like, I feel it in my bones, you know, the body is a great uh, barometer for, for, for what's going on. Um, And um, yeah, so, so I think uh, it's, it's about applying, you know, logic to any sort of situation as well as um, your intuition and then arriving at a point where it's like, okay, what's what's how am i what am i going to do and i've there have been t- loads of times where i've questioned myself as well during this this period i've i've had lots of times because of the skepticism of others so for example um my sister uh one of one of my sisters contacted me uh a few months ago and we hadn't spoken for a year not because we don't love each other it's just like that's just how it flows with with this relationship and um and uh, she said to me, um, yeah, how are you doing? I was like, yeah, cool. We're like, really great. Good to hear from you. And she said, um, uh, you know, are you, are you all right? And I was like, yeah. And she said, um, are you like a sort of like extremist or something? Oh, I was like, what, what do you mean? And then she said, well, I just like noticed that on uh, Facebook, all of your posts Pete, uh, like are about um, vaccine for children, et cetera, et cetera. And um I, to be honest with you, initially I, t- I felt kind of a bit offended. I didn't, I didn't argue with her. I did. I, I said to her, "Well, look, I'm, I'm a head teacher. I've, you know, I'm an, I'm an author. I'm a speaker. I've got a family." And I tried to like give this more rounded sort of version of myself than she had been sort of receiving through Facebook. But then I did then have to come away from that conversation and look at my Facebook sure. feed and go, actually, fair yeah. enough. If you didn't, if you didn't have, have any interaction with me, you didn't know. Then, I look yeah. like I'm a bit obsessed, you know, and it's like fair play. You yeah, know? yeah. So I think it's good to just like, I've to, had to, that. even when you get the sort of criticism from people, just think, okay, where are they, where, where are they coming from? Now, um, uh, I didn't like then stop doing that, but I was, I did just think, yeah, fair enough. If people you think see where they're coming from, but yeah. you know. Oh, I've fun. had that. I've had yeah. that where you got to go. I examine it every day. I meditate every day. But the, one of the things that I always examine, I'm like, what am I doing? Where am I? Like, am I in an echo chamber? And then you mm-hmm. got to remember that, like, it's like if you ever had a conversation someone with, in, with someone in a car and then the conversation kind of comes to a lull, but you keep thinking in your head and then you go from one topic to another to another and then you speak up. But by now you're wet. You guys were talking about winter and now you mentioned like hockey and they go, what the hell are you talking about? And you forget, oh, wait, you're not in my head. So I have, you know, good friends or, you know, extended family members who like, yeah, I've known them my whole life. But yeah, you know, I kind of do see them maybe once a year. Maybe we chat once a year. And then the only p- portal they have in my life is they see my podcast. Yeah. So I do a podcast for an hour, two hours a day. In 22 hours, I'm not doing that. And I'm doing tons of stuff. I'm reading other stuff. I'm going about my life. I have my own personal life, my own personal dramas. But if someone sees that I've done nine interviews with nine doctors in nine days about COVID vaccines, I've gotten those for like, hey, man, you kind of seem to be going down a rabbit hole. And I'll be like, huh? What are you talking? And then like, oh, no, 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 I'm not. And it's like, I'm not going to stop interviewing, but I go, I get that. You don't see anything. You just see Dr. McCullough, Dr. Malone, Dr. Fareed. And I'm like, yeah, fair. (laughs) But then I think that's where with the other individuals who you're interacting with, and actually it's the same for me as well. um, So I've I've tried to align myself with um, really reputable people who are journalists in the mainstream 
who have been on side and talking about um, these matters. Molly Kingsley, like probably the most notable version uh, example. Um, certain lawyers who are prominent on the on the scene with regards to all of this stuff. Um, business people who are really, really successful, um, uh, TV people who I've um, either been on their shows or they are um, uh, people who I've connected with and who are reputable. Um, but so, so that I'm not just, you know, because there's a lot of people in the um, kind of counter narrative who are great to t chat to, um, but who, if you spent all of your time with them, then you could definitely go down a kind of uh, rabbit hole, or certainly for me anyway, because, and I love that vibe, you know, I love going off and like yeah. massively crazy psychedelic sort of uh, oh, vibe. But yeah, totally. <laughs> and, and, I, and I do, but it's like when I'm in a, in a sort of public um, situation, it's important for me to be like on uh, message rather than on some kind of metaphorical spaceship kind yeah. of going on, or, you know, and I think with the calibre of the people who you speak to and Dr Malone, Do Dr McCullough are, are perfect examples. Um, even if were someone were to say, oh, well, I think you've kind of gone down a rabbit hole, you just have to list the credentials of yeah. those uh, gentlemen to be able to say, well, you know, like, can you match that? It's, you know, no yeah. one, no one can. So yeah. I think it's important to align ourselves and ally ourselves to, uh, you know, professional individuals who are, you know, who, who, who really broad, they don't even have to all necessarily agree on the detail, but certainly the broad strokes, we're all on the same page, which is like, okay, something's not right. And certainly with the, the vaccines, they're, they're, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it, it needs serious assessment and in some respects uh, must be paused. And, and that's particularly true for the kids. Yeah. And then it's like, and then like, I have to be careful about my own, like, am I employing uh, the appeal to authority fallacy? Like Dr. Malone is, you know, he holds the patents and Dr. McCall is the most published cardiorenal physician. I have to make sure that I'm not hiding behind a wall of look how many publications they have. So I then have to go like one step further and be like, look at their credentials. That's really like the best I can do. And if they're wrong, then I don't know. But, you know, I have tried to get Dr. Fauci on here. I've talked to a secretary and she said no. And then when I push it further, it was like, if it was going to happen, it was going to be all pre-scripted and all. And I'm like, well, that's not how I do it. Like, that's just, and to me, I'm like, well, now I'm trying to give people a window on here that disagree with me. I'm, I'm not going to attack you. I'm not going to, I love Dr. McCall, but I'm not going to sit here and do some ambush journalism. If Dr. Fauci wanted to come on here. I'd shut up and let him talk. But when they turn that down and I'm like, well, okay, Dr. Freed, Dr. Nass, Dr. Merrick, Dr. Urso, Dr. Alabeck, I've had on all these people, like, how many credentials do you want? I mean, they're all the yeah. top of the top of the doctor. Um, um, uh, uh, what, what, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Aditi, I'm forgetting the last name, the head of MRNA research at UCSF in San Francisco. Like, I don't, these are the, she worked on the Biden campaign. She's not even some like, like, and so. Yeah. Is this is the thing. It's yeah. like that, that group, they, they, they are, they're the top of their field, not just nationally, but internationally. Yeah, I don't know so, where else to, you know, and and but uh, but it's also coming to light now that and I saw that um, great uh, taking down of Fauci on uh, there was a Fox News clip uh, with uh, Senator Rand's, Ron Johnson uh, or Rand Paul. Johnson, it. Absolutely phenomenal. Where he's um, 
showing him uh, that it's the senator from Kentucky who is showing him the the, the clip of um, Fauci in two thousand and four praising natural immunity. Natural immunity. Yeah, it's the you know it's the, the it's best. All you need. It's the and, best. <laughs> yeah. And then the bloke's like, in response, he's like, "Well, you know." uh that was that was just taken out of context sort of thing and it's like and i have to say fauci totally sounds like a gangster as well i don't know whether you feel that he's like he's got he's got he's totally something it's just dodges anything <laughs> you don't even need to feel it you can just look at the actual money trail the amount of money he's involved in and the kickbacks and the and the you, you control that much money you get corrupt um yeah. And the fact that he won't even disclose um, whether there are any conflicts of interest (laughs) on the FDA and from his side and all. um, It's just unbelievable, but it's unravelling fast now. Yeah. And I think there's so many people who, particularly as we've now seen the legacy of lockdowns, um, which is just catastrophic, really, with cost of living crisis, the energy crisis. I mean, unbelievable, let alone... Obviously, the mental health crisis spikes in, in suicides, etc. And it's it's not possible now to to well, it's totally possible to to deny that. But even within the mainstream uh, media context, it's now being reported uh, in in a much more balanced way, at least. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's 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 there's going to be a kind of ramping up now as we move into the next um, season, particularly with autumn and winter and. Uh, there was a, a um, declaration that there was a fourth wave on its way in the We are on like the eighth or something. Oh, it's just what you know, and um, so 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 and you know and and but then of course we've also got this um, what's what's described as the, uh, the the biggest control group in history, i.e. the unvaccinated, yeah. <laughs> who are just like, well, no, I'm fine, you know, I feel I'm trucking, great. I'm good. On to the gym today. <laughs> yeah. 30 and minutes it's, of it's intense workouts. It's increasingly obvious now, isn't it? It's really, really coming very, very obvious. So, yeah, um, yeah I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of change. And then uh, I think there's also something within me as well where, um, you know, I'm, I'm naturally an optimist. And during uh, some of the most challenging points in my life in the past, I've I've had hope. I've had I, I always stay hope. I have to. Yeah. Even when it's really full power, it's like there's that one spark, which is like, okay, you know, I'm going to get through this. And the the resilience that we spoke about at the beginning of our conversation, that kind of standing up in the face, you know, that's that fire is what sees you through things. And and that will see us through this as 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 a, a community, as nations, internationally, as humanity. I believe the human spirit will prevail and good will out. That's my genuine belief. It's prevailed through. We're in a bad spot. It has prevailed through so many worse times over the last ten thousand years. That takes yeah. a whole lot of ego to go. This is the time we lose. Hundred percent. So I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm always reminded of my. So my dad's dad, my paternal grandfather, fought in World War One. So I'm yeah. like I'm fifty. My dad was 86 when he died, and that was quite a few years ago. And he had me quite late in life. And his father, um, so 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 you can see that his father was like you know alive like over a hundred years ago, and um, he fought in uh, the Battle of the Somme. Uh-huh. So this was my dad's dad, and I grew up with stories of um, 
uh, from my father because he he died by the time I was born. But he, well, I think he saw me when I was born. But then he, you know, I don't have any memory of him. Sure. And um, he would fight in a kilt because he was in the Cameron Highlanders, and uh, so he like the, the Cameron Highlanders as a, as a battalion. Um, they would go over the top of the trenches and there'd be, it's mad, but there'd be a guy at the front of the line playing the bagpipes, yes. walking into enemy, enemy fire. They're all brightly coloured as well with their red kilts and all the rest of it. And they're just like, you know, bayonets on and 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 they were hardcore. And his, all of his brothers died, many of his friends, um, he survived. And that is, that's still, uh, you know, considered a really hardcore legendary yeah. um, uh, uh, group of uh, soldiers. And, uh, and, you know, I think about that stuff or I, my own father um, who grew up in World War Two in Manchester, in the city of Manchester. And uh, he was 10 years old at the time and from an Irish immigrant family so he wasn't evacuated other people would be but the Irish tended to keep their kids with them so he would listen to the um you know the bombs uh, dropping and the anti-aircraft fire and you know all of this kind of stuff and you know these guys like lived through two world wars and so for me when I find myself kind of going, oh, poor me, it's like it's this. I just think, my God, it's like... Shut dude, up. Yeah, shut, shut up. up. Just, just get a whack. grip. Shut exactly up. Exactly that. It's yeah. just like, come on, man. It's like, get a, get a grip. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, uh, so, and at the same time, there are certain things that I do personally to uh, build my resilience and to stay on top of my game. So, for example... I wake up at five o'clock in the morning and then um, have a coffee with my wife and then I go off and I go to the gym and I make sure I do a really good workout before I go to uh, school at 7.30 in the morning. So I've already achieved something. I've already uh-huh. gone through that pain barrier. I don't, when I first wake up, I, I almost always... Never want to go. I really don't want to do it. And then I push myself and, it, and that kind of moving out of the comfort zone I feel like that really builds my resilience and it sets me up for the other challenges throughout the day. Oh, absolutely. I've been doing that. I did it all throughout college. I do it now. First thing I do, you wake up, you wake up to an alarm, warm bed. I'm under like nine blankets, the fans on the blinds every morning. And I'm like, every morning I decide I'm like, today's the day I quit the podcast. I'm not getting out of bed, but I get at it. I get up, I make my bed. I go to the gym, do push-ups, pull-ups, I do ab workouts, weights, 10, 15 minutes on the treadmill, come back, shower, meditate. I always, and it's just those little things where you learn to push through it and push through it and push through it. And um, about like the spark of positivity, like you have to keep that for your own mental health. Like you yeah. just, even against all, it's one thing when you kind of see a path to victory and you're like, we can do it. But then there's like another level of like when I was pre-med in college and I'd be studying for organic chemistry. I'd be like, I know I can figure this out. Like, I'm, the test is three days away, two days away. I'd be like, I know I can do this. I've done this before. And then you, you eventually you crack it and you you get the A and you're like, I got it. And then and then the next test rolls around and you're tr- drawn on your past experiences and you're going, stick with it. You're going to find a way. And then there are times that like you can't find it. Uh, in 2014, my older brother committed suicide. And I went through several years of just drug abuse and like gained like, I gained almost 70 pounds unemployed hated myself girlfriend broke up with me i don't blame her i had to move home with my parents lost all my friends those are the days where you're you're going 
I would still tell myself I'd go tomorrow's going to be better. And I know I could sometimes I couldn't even believe I said it. I'd be like the the nerve you have to tell yourself that it's going to be better. And I didn't even believe it would be better. But the very act of just saying it to myself was like one last middle finger to the universe. Like, I'm just going to say it. You can be like getting you can be putting the noose around my neck and I'll still say like, you know, it's a sunny day because it's just my like one last middle finger. And then a day goes by and a week goes by and a year goes by and five years goes by and every day is worse than the last. But then seven years goes by, eight years go by. I've lost the weight. I'm doing my own podcast for a living. I'm my own boss. Happier when, than when, when did you emerge? Uh, when did you feel like you were from that space of, um, you know, that kind of like quite broken but still determined space to the the one where you're like, okay, right, I'm, 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 you know, something's clicked. I'm, you know, how how long? So, 2014 was the tragedy. 2014 I mean, was, yeah. I moved yeah. home two two years later, so I I had two years of just spiraling downwards on my own. And then I lived at home from August 2016. Still like three more years of spiraling downwards. Not spiraling downwards, but still just broken. I started the podcast in December 2019. And I would say I was probably like, I don't know, I was probably like seven, eight months into it when I started to actually go, oh, wait, this, I think this can work. It's like, I think this can actually. And it was just like, and then I didn't have to lie to myself anymore. And then I moved out in April, 2021. And every day, every week, every month since then, more and more so, I'm like, oh, this is working. It is working. And now you draw on that experience, where it's not even the OCAM. You go, I was broken. And I had to lie to myself that, I, that tomorrow was going to be better. And for like 3,000, not for like a 1500 straight days every day was worse than the last like yeah well over 1500 and then it actually started to get better because i just didn't give up and sometimes not giving up just means that like i lived another day and so when i get to where i am now i go oh wait just keep pushing just keep pushing and even if it doesn't work and it really is the end of the world what am I, am I going to just quit? What? Like to me, to me, it is, it's like when the doctor hits your leg with the little rubber thing, you have this reflex. Yeah. Yeah. There's a part of me that it's almost involuntary. I'm like, what do you mean? I mean, we could literally be in a global dictatorship where we're all have like microchips in our forehead. And I'd still be going, no, there's a way out of this. There's a way out of this. And then, Maybe there wasn't a way, but what am I going to do? Go to my grave going, well, I guess we lost. No, that's what they want. I think think it comes down to that sort of animal instinct as well, because essentially that's what we are. We're animals with with animal instinct. And so so that that, that drive and will to survive is hardwired into our DNA. I think it's been eroded in some people through uh, sort of um, the layers of culture and uh, there's certainly been a, a kind of disempowering narrative over the last few years. So, for example, um, I think the, um, the the actually the overemphasis on mental health in the sense of particularly with anxiety. So talking about anxiety as if and by, by the way, I'm, 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 I'm talking about um, the media talking about this, schools talking about it, government talking about it, um, the the idea that somehow life 
you, you, is, is, in, is imperfect because you are feeling anxious and somehow you can alleviate your anxiety for good and not feel anxiety is, is, is a ridiculous notion because yeah. it's, it's, it's an integral part of daily life to feel, to feel anxious. It's natural. It's actually a, it's a tool it's a which benefit. is necessary for us to kind of move on and all the rest of it. And I think there's the, the, the way that our sort of convenience led contemporary society and culture has sort of like softened people up to have an expectation that they should be happy all of the time without necessarily having to do anything yeah and, and that's just stupid because it's like you know you, you kind of got to be comfortable with times of where you're not feeling great and where you 100% like on a daily basis feeling anxious about things but but then build the things which are the antidotes to that so yes. I always talk about um uh the antidote to anxiety being resilience well how do you um, build resilience you build resilience by moving out of your comfort zone so uh -huh. for like your your example of well both of ours but yours sounds even more hardcore definitely more hardcore than mine your your workout in the morning you know you're flooding your body with serotonin and um uh, and um uh, dopamine, uh, dopamine oxytocin, yeah. the whole thing all of this incredible stuff which is you know which can mask pain it's in uh, induces more of a sense of um uh um pride love, a connection creativity you know basically all of the stuff but you've got to you you have to be the one who's like oh bloody hell i've got to get, get up now right yeah. so i'm gonna do it but and you do it and you achieve it and you that's what that is the antidote to yeah. anxiety rather than going oh let me just look at my problems and nothing but my problems and hope by doing that that they'll go away, <laughs> go away. <laughs> what yeah yeah no it's it's you know and i'm someone i'm someone that's also suffered you know chronic anxiety right after like the first year after my brother died and then I had a concussion earlier this year and I just like knocked a couple screws loose and was having panic attacks. Like I get that. That stuff's debilitating. Yeah. That, you know, you do, you do need help for that. There's nothing wrong with, you know, yeah. temporarily going on medication when you can't get out of bed because you're hyperventilating. That's not good. That being said, to get rid of anxiety is, is absurd. I get anxiety, yeah. you know, I get anxiety and really up until like a month ago and I was like, I'm not losing weight fast enough. And it's like, well, you know, maybe that one night a week where you get beer and pizza, maybe that's pulling you back. And finally, after a year of doing it every Thursday, I was like, maybe I should stop eating. And if I don't want to stop eating, that's fine. But just accept that when you sit up out of bed and you feel rolls on your stomach, that's yeah. what you get. And so finally, yeah, yeah. I was like, it's time to start eating a lot of spinach. And like, I've lost like 20 pounds in a month. And now like that anxiety is going away. But other little things like. Ooh, uh, I am getting a little anxious about, uh, you know, am I moving? Am I getting a new lease? Well, why is that? Well, I haven't really put away any money. Okay. Start shaving off a little bit, start learning how to save, start learning. And then you put away a hundred bucks and you're like, well, that's nothing. And then a year goes by and you put away a thousand or 10,000. And you're like, okay. You know, stepping out of the, the, the comfort zone with podcasts, you know, I'm going to talk about this, or I'm going to talk about that or expose yourself in certain, I'm going to talk about, I can now nonchalantly, not that I don't miss him every day, but I can talk about my brother very matter of factly, but that took a long time of you step. And then once you start to get comfortable, you get comfortable with your workout. The first day of the month, I always add one more rep to whatever workout I'm doing. I add five more push-ups, I add one more pull-up and I add five seconds more of ab workouts. And then for two weeks, I'm like, this sucks, this sucks. And then now like, the 22nd 
I love the last like week of the month because I've built up a resilience to my workout. And I go in there, I just crank it out. I'm like, whatever. And then the first of the month will come around. I'll go, oh no, but you keep stepping out of your comfort zone. Step yeah, out of your because that's how zone. you grow. That's how yes. you grow. That is you what just, it's all about. You just build a bigger and bigger shield and it's never yeah. going to go away. And like, that's okay. But I think the much like anxiety, if you just stare at it and hope it goes away, you're going to get weaker and weaker and it's going to become worse and worse. And you have to extrapolate that to society. Yeah. If you are not, if, if you, if you owe me a dollar and I'm charging you whatever interest rate and you can't pay me today, you can't stop buying a $5 coffee and you can't have the discipline to pay me today. Well, tomorrow you owe me a dollar and 10 cents. And then every day forward. And finally a year from now, you're going to owe me like $200. If you can't pay the dollar today, what in God's name makes you think you're going to pay 10% more tomorrow? And so we don't like the options presented to us. Social ostracization, being being an outcast, being the extremist, talking about vaccines. If you can't live with that discomfort, what in God's name makes you yeah. think that you're going to be the men of world war one or world war i know i can't do world war ii so i'm yeah, talking absolutely. up now I'm yeah talking absolutely up now. and that's the key thing and it's like you know the things we've just um described are miles compared to future uh, with the exception obviously of the the um suicide of your brother though that's extremely hardcore but there will be more punches to roll with in the future yeah. won't there and that's why we've got to be yeah. ready and you know i think it's possible to be um open-hearted and 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 gentle and kind and soft and empathetic and strong at the same time it's not about being impenetrable or not you know there's a there's a kind of a strength in vulnerability but it's about like you know there's that thing i think of realizing that there isn't anyone else who's going to save you other than yourself and realizing that there's that wonderful Hopi Indian saying we are the ones we've been waiting for you know that sense of empowerment of like ah it's actually all within me you know as as, as beings as sort of spiritual cosmic beings you know we're just like capable of absolutely anything which is why I I also feel like there is a there's a there's a, a great awakening as well at the moment it's there's not just this sort of dystopian kind of rolling into some kind of like um orwellian future that we just have to battle against i think there's a there's a it feels to me anyway within my life and uh, my wife feels the same uh, as well that there's a kind of um there's a there's a, a kind of heightened awareness mm-hmm. uh, and a growth on a, on a kind of spiritual level through all of this stuff as well not in a dogmatic or particularly religious way or anything sure. like that but it just feels like something's changing on a really big mm-hmm. level and i speak to so many people who say actually this is a time of great opportunity yeah and, oh yeah it, it, yeah. And, and, and again you know perhaps it's that default position that we both have of the optimism of like you know it's, it's gonna be great it's gonna yeah. be, it's like a garden of eden but it's like oh yeah i believe in that I've, I've always felt that's gonna be the the sort of the the end game yeah it's like um oh, what was i gonna say um, I just draw a blank. Something about a time of great opportunity, a great, whatever. I for, I forgot what it was. Um, but there's also just yeah. Don't I don't know what it is, but it's just I can't give in 
and I can't, it, it kind of draws back to like, we've been, this, this species has been through so much worse, just so much worse. And not only that, when you only see X number of people speaking out now, and you're like, well, you know, a lot of people are using this as we're waking up and some people are just marching towards the cliff. Another thing I look back at is, is do I really think that now we have the lowest number of people talking up than ever before in human history? There's probably the same percentage of people walking towards Nazi Germany or World War One or whatever, building the pyramids. There's always probably been a very small margin of people. And yeah. if that small margin has got us through the dark ages, World War One, World War Two, Cold War to here, why I mean just mathematically, statistically, why would it not work again? And yeah, yeah so just go go forward with it and like just go for and I do and like I know I gotta I gotta let you go, but I was gonna say back to what you're saying earlier about you know trying to align with like respectful people and like accredited people and not go off on the, like the psychedelic conversations. I still just don't care and we'll still have the psychedelic conversations on here. So I'm sure that's led to some detraction because I will without hesitating, go from interviewing Dr. Malone to having on a friend and being like, so do you think the aliens on the backside of the moon killed JFK? I don't care. I just, yeah. And and that's all cool. (laughs) And and that's, I dig that vibe hundred percent. It's the funniest. The, 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 um, and and certainly uh i would um happily um have that kind of discourse with you and enjoy it and and offer oh, yeah. things but but in because um so so um in order to reach the people who i'm trying to reach through my uh message they are the people who are not conspiratorial um, they are um, very trusting. Um, they are, um, you know, very much into the, like the official narrative, etc. Mm-hmm. And that's why I've had to break down the message to those four points that I've uh, repeated earlier, and to keep it on message so that I, um, so that I don't lose those people. And it's interesting. I've just remembered actually because um, the very first, um, it's quite funny actually, the very first. Um, complaint that was made about me followed and it turned into investigation there was a there was a bit which said oh and um he posts things about ufos on twitter <laughs> and 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 it's and it's because i love all of that stuff I but you know it. what i then i then thought right i'm i'm not going to do that now because although i love that um topic like immensely i mean and actually it's interesting because before the pandemic there was so much cool stuff happening like the oh yeah summer 2020 yeah, got, it was all got, coming um, yeah we've got like bits of like crashed aircraft i mean not of this world out. yeah unbelievable it's... cool stuff and like pyramids in the sky and all this kind yeah. of things like, this is like awesome and it got like like <laughs> watered down by covid it's like <laughs> And I remember it was quite funny because I remember talking, to, saying to my, because um, uh, it's very much in my experience a sort of guy thing. But I remember saying to my wife um, in the kitchen, uh, I, was, I was like, when I saw that um, New York Times article about the, um, you know, uh, what was it? They said craft like, not of this world. Craft not of this. I was like, they've got, they've got, uh, they got it. And she was like, oh, I thought they already had them. 
And it was like such a brilliant sort of like uh, a girl sort of comment to, yeah. to be like, I'm not that bothered about UFO. But um, are you still there? Yeah, did my, did my camera just cut out? Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. You, you can still hear me? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, so that was that was in the original, but it wasn't that wasn't like looked into because uh, they weren't, um, you know, that wasn't the main thing. It was the fact that I was um being critical of the uh the vaccines but yeah so but my point being that i've had to stay on message in order to reach the people who are not into kind of far out kind of theories and stuff and who i might be able to bring on board and that's actually been the case and i've had i've had parents um approach me and say oh we've seen you on gb news or you know like your piece and i've made again it's like made sure of like any anything I've done is being largely in the mainstream, uh, like mainstream press and TV and things. <coughs> and they've been able to <coughs> say to me, yeah, we've thought about it and we've come to the conclusion that we're not going to get our kids vaccinated against COVID. So I feel like it's been necessary to tailor my messaging in order to get the result that I've, I've required. I think, I think there's still the little, I don't, I don't know why the good camera shut off. But I, I, to me, there's still that just like, I guess, rebelliousness in me mm. where I refused. I've interviewed Larry Holcomb, author of U, uh, Presidents and UFOs, uh, Dr. Lynn Katai, who personally witnessed the Phoenix Lights in 1996. I've had on a friend of Bob Lazar's. I can't get Bob oh. Lazar. Uh, Ken Mason was one of his friends. I've had on Delta Force guys that worked at Area 51 and they talked about I shit out there. Know. No, I love all this is right up my wheelhouse. And part of me is just like, you know, maybe I shouldn't bring it up if I want to be taken more seriously. But in my mind, I'm like, if I give them yeah, an but then also gonna... from the podcast perspective, it's like, you know, people want to um, have a broad palette. Of yeah, you don't just things. want COVID. So, yeah. yeah, so so it, that's, I think, within your genre, it's necessary to have that because, you know, but that's, the listener wants to engage yeah. in all of that stuff and go deep and things. Yeah. So that's, I think that's, you know, I, I totally understand that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and in fact, I would love to be able to do it if i do have a um so so i've i'm in, in at the same time as being a head teacher i'm also an author i've written three books most recently one called rewilding childhood and it's very it's all about like um essentially trying to um uh just get let children be free you know so i at my school we teach our kids to you know shoot we've got 120 acres of land with like animals all over it even though it's a built up um council estate where the where the kids come from you know they learn to light a fire cook over and over oh, fire yeah. forage for food proper kind of vibe and um and so my writing is kind of very much about that but also you know the reasons for it so i talk about resilience throughout my work I talk about the gift of imagination, mm-hmm. which is in such an integral part of childhood and something that gets dumbed down as, as adults get um, older, risk-taking and rebellion as, as kind of key themes, because all of those qualities, all of those traits are exactly the sorts of things which tyrannical governments hey. don't want the people to have. If you're imaginative, you can imagine 
the future. Oh, right, I can see this going towards social credit system and then super control and this. No, you need an imagination to be able to project into the future like that. Um, you, you need to be a risk taker like us to be able to go, okay, cool. I know it's going to be tricky. There's going to be some challenges, but I'm going to do it. Um, there needs to be uh, that element of gratitude so that you're able to also go, okay, things are tough, but there's also this beauty in my life and that kind of feeds your soul and all the rest of it. Kids have all of this yeah. innately. And what adults do is they beat the hell out of them so that they actually that disappears and they become disempowered adults who are so easy to control. So my uh, going back to my point, uh, what I, I, I want to do is, you know, I am feeling like I'm ready to evolve out of the system mm. uh, at some point soon. I would love to do that. And um, uh, one of the, in addition to writing books, one of the things that I really want to get into is podcasts. I'd oh, love dude. to do it. I'd love to do it. And my wife, she's called Sandeep Satarish, isn't it? A Punjabi Indian woman, really sexy, lovely, hardcore, cool oh, yeah. uh, lady. And she's um, uh, built this temple at the bottom of our garden. It's this oak framed, massive um it's kind of in the it's in a kind of it's it's inspired by uh, beehives so it's hexagonal and oh, yeah. hexagonal doors that open a wood burner and everything and we're thinking we'll have these sort of talks in do this it. space oh the do it in the background and stuff so do it. yeah and then i can talk about ufos to my heart's delight do whatever yeah do like in this thing right now i'm in a i'm, I'm in like a, a one bedroom apartment and i've got all these can't really see it because it's stuck to the camera but i mean it's up on ceiling so like I, I hung some moving blankets from the ceiling, a two moving blankets, and I cut off like a rectangle. And I've got these on, you know, this wall, that wall, above me, behind me, and then on the moving blanket. It's held up by like stools and tripods and safety pins. But I've got my own little block in here with a bunch of lights. If you just look at it, like if that camera shuts out and you see this, well, here's a fire extinguisher because I don't know if this shit's going to yeah, go. Yeah, I was wondering what that was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, these are these are fireproof, but the moving blankets are not. And so I'm like, I have that in here just in case I got to put out a fire. But you build this, you can, but even this is imagination. I mean, I was pre-med. I was the most straight-laced. I was like a wild child. I was always in trouble at bad grades. Then I turned to the most straight-laced, sober, saving money, working out. I'm going to be a doctor. And then Actually, before I lost my brother, the day I graduated was the first day or the day after I graduated college was the first day I ever took psychedelic mushrooms. And it wasn't at a festival. It was out in the woods with my best friend. And we just went out and I was like, oh, wait, I was like, why can't your mind blossom into something beautiful? Like, it doesn't have to all be just like we talked earlier about being strong and resilient doesn't mean that you're Tarzan. It also it also means that you can open your heart and talk about love and vulnerability I was like, yeah. wait, imagination doesn't have to be something that's, oh, you're a hippie. I was like, why can't I make money doing this? And yeah. yeah, yeah, it's as you build your own thing, like it's you see how valuable. I mean, literally monetarily, this podcast has made me money. So I'm like, imagination's not just like a good trait. It's no. actually built my life. It pays for my yeah my water yeah. and my groceries and it's actually at the root of every single significant human development throughout history literally everything be the creation of writing or music or the arts or science or in in where you're sitting right now the chair that you're sitting on will have begun in somebody's imagination yeah. the t-shirt that you're wearing the same thing you know all of it has begun in the in the imagination yeah. of 
the maker or the designer or even societal structures uh, have, have begun in the imagination. So it's, I call it our superpower. Yeah. And, but it is the very thing that gets demonized as children grow up. So it'll be like, oh, get your head out of the clouds. Playing is a waste of time. Um, uh, you know, um, curiosity killed the cat. I mean, what a dreadful statement that is. You know, it's like being curious about things is somehow um, uh, uh, dangerous. Well, of course, adults will say those sorts of things, um, usually well-intentioned, uh, because they were like, oh, well, you know, I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I made or whatever it might be. But um, actually, all it is, is it's actually um, eroding the very natural gifts that children already have. So um, I advocate that we, we we allow children to be in nature as much as possible. They should be climbing trees. They should be like exploring, you know, bearing in mind they they are kids are brilliant at going off the beaten track and finding yeah. new things and stuff. And, you know, from ad an adult perspective, whether it's um, uh, an adult family member, like parent or whatever, or, or teacher, go with them on their journeys, you know, don't micromanage them, but go with them on their journeys and they will take you or to teacher. absolutely magical lands. I mean, you talk about like mushrooms, kids hanging out with like little kids. For that is psychedelic. Yeah, it's totally psychedelic. And they, they tuned into such magic and wonder and i just feel like um you know we need to we need to cherish that because what the the way that the system is going and we can see that very very clearly with all of the covid restrictions and all of this kind of weird stuff about censorship of control is they don't want people to be imaginative they do not want there to be rebels in society who ask questions and who are kind of critical thinkers and go well why do i have to do that that doesn't make sense yeah. they don't want that they just want you to obey and to be conformist. And that's the exact opposite of what we need to do. I think one of the wild cards, and I might be wrong, but I think one of the wild cards we're going to see is like a like a revival of, of psychedelics. They never went away, but I mean, like in c comparison to the 60s. And actually, I just got me thinking, right, for like the last 10, 15 years, they've been doing research at Johns Hopkins and Harvard, you know, uh, MDMA, psilocybin, LSD, uh, ketamine, all these things for anxiety and PTSD for soldiers. MDMA you know? for PTSD. That's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. They do a ton of them for depression, addiction. Mm -hmm. Got me thinking. Maybe it can, maybe they're like unintentionally building the own noose that hangs them. If they're pushing on everyone that you're anxious and you need to deal with your anxiety the evolution might turn from Xanax to like psilocybin. And then all of a sudden the people who they almost had cornered get reset and turn into like children. Like, why are we marching towards dystopia? Yeah. Who knows? Maybe it'll be like an 11th hour. Like they're about to sedate the masses. What would Aldous Huxley, Soma, right? You know, brave new world. Maybe they, the final, the final play is like, we're going to sedate them with something stronger than Xanax. We've been doing studies with psilocybin. And then you just revert to the child, like, I don't want to eat the bugs, Klaus. I don't want to do this. Like, who knows? Yeah. I'm, I'm certainly. I'm I think there's, um, there's a, there's. You kind of have like cultural revolutions in response to restrictive um, time. Yeah. So, so throughout history and in different areas of the world, when there's been and and the sixties is a classic example. Right where, after World War Two. You know, 
yeah after world war Two, you know there's a lot of kind of like boring kind of stuff happening and people start to and a bit of kind of restriction people start to kind of go the young in particular start go hey you know i want to kind of like do something differently i want yeah. to kind of expand and and then of course then um uh embracing um uh, psychedelics whether it's in the form of uh, acid or mushrooms or whatever and and then the the creativity that kind of um, comes from that i think naturally that is something that happens within these sorts of um uh within these sorts of times because it's a it's a it's a response to um restriction you know it's, it's like there's the the, the 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 psychedelic um state of consciousness is um it's been described um uh quite beautifully by um ramdas um, i love ramdas yeah isn't he, he also he, he died like he a week before i started my so podcast i was so upset I love him. Oh, I to get him. Yeah, yeah. I, I love. I, I discovered Ramdas like a couple months after my brother died, and like mm. when I first started the podcast, I was like, "I'm going to get him on. He's still alive." And then he died. Sorry, yeah, I interrupted. No, you. no you I mean, such a beautiful character. So I, I was listening to him in the '90s on cassette tapes, and um, and uh, there's those sort of classic um, talks that he does, and he's some of them are about his. Um, early experiences yeah. of uh, mushrooms when he was at Harvard yeah, and then, and then meeting Timothy Leary uh-huh. and, and it's like, you know, <laughs> phenomenal stuff. Uh, he talks about the, um, these sorts of experiences, which are also accessible through meditation and mm-hmm. lots of different other ways of the lotus flower unfolding. And when you open your mind and the flowers uh, unfold, when they, begin to go back again they never go back quite as much as they did before and then the next time you open it's that bit a little more, more and then it goes back and so you're constantly having that opening like that and it's the way he describes it so he's, brilliant in his wonderfully humble and humorous way as well because i love the way he like takes the piss out of himself as well oh, like, i love it that's just I, real just I'm real so consciously and unconsciously like inspired and like mimic yeah. him he's always like shooting himself down like he'll yeah. talk about he'll be like i'm sitting there meditating holy <laughs> with light coming out of my forehead and he was bisexual and was like and then yeah. i'll see a beautiful man and instantly i forget all the buddha shit and i'm like hey i'm ramdas do you want to come hang out? And he's like, yeah, and he's yeah. like, five minutes ago, I would have nailed me to the wall. And now he's like, and now I'm trying to have a threesome. And then that night I'm back to meditate. And it's just like, he just, yeah. he just kicks it's, himself it's down. Real. He's real. He, oh, you know, God, he, he was he's just real and uh, so beautiful with it. And he, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's, and, and with a lot of mystery as well, because it's like with, with Ramdas, he never, he never really, um, it was not like this is it. It's like there's a lot of room for interpretation as well, and yeah. um, and I think that's why he so beautifully says, you know, that kind of thing. That's like when it's like um, you know when you think you've got it, and and you think you're you're that, and you think you're like spiritual, and you can now tell people about this stuff. It's like all right, you definitely aren't. You definitely there. do not. <laughs> yeah, no, he's right because he goes through the whole like you know learning about it through lsd and then you know eventually you do come down and he kept trying to stay uh, i think he talked about like him and leary taking lsd every six hours for 30 days he's like yeah, eventually you come awesome. down and so then he goes on the whole meditation saga to like the himalayas right where he meets uh neem Kroli baba his his guru and, and then he does this interview like 30 years later i think it was like post stroke when he was talking a lot slower and he's like 80 at the time 
someone goes, you know, you realized early on that it wasn't psychedelics, that it was meditation and guru and walking the straight path and going on these journeys and, and fasting. And he's like, do you know, that is what worked, right? And you just see him, it's, you know, he's got the beads and the beard and he goes, in hindsight, I think that was all kind of bullshit too. And everyone in the crowd goes, <laughs> and he goes, I don't know. He goes, it might be LSD. It might be fasting. He goes, he goes, I still don't understand. Everybody's like, what? He goes, y'all are here to get answers from me. I'm hoping y'all have the answers. And he's just so like, cool. I, I so still cool. don't know what's going so on. True. So true. It's just true. It's just <laughs> real. You have no idea. Yeah. The Lotus, he, he talks about the, the phony. He goes, there's the phony holy. He goes, and then there's the phony unholy. Cause once you wake up, you can never quite go back to sleep. He goes, you'll try. You'll have, you'll have an affair. You'll buy a convertible. You'll, you go, go, you'll go bowling, but deep down inside you go, I don't care about bowling. He goes, you can never quite go back to sleep. He goes, but you'll, you'll wake up. And yeah, that, uh, that I know, I, I know I gotta let you go. I know it's late your time. Um, but he talks about, uh, like, so like not long after my brother died. So I went back to college for another semester. I decided I didn't want to do medical school. I wanted to do pharmacy school. And so I had to go take some courses. So I like went back and enrolled and me and a buddy from high school uh, got a place together. And uh, we hadn't, we had an attic in this old house in Georgia. And a third of our buddies actually uh, a mutual friend of ours made like tie dye tapestries out of bed sheets. And so he made us a ton of them. He kind of just gave them to us for free. We just like, you know, gave him a bunch of pot and we built this room in this attic, this old creaky attic. And we called it the Zen Den because it was ceiling, floors, walls. I mean, 360 degrees, just psychedelic like Christmas lights, like a disco ball, Buddha, incense. And like downstairs, we would go out of our way to make it the most boring vanilla house. Just like, you know, all the pictures were hung perfect. It was like an inside joke. It just looked like the house yeah. of like, uh, like a, a curmudgeon old man. It was just, everything was neat and prim and perfect. And then we had this little tiny closet door that you'd go up. Right. And you go up in the attic and then you park these things and you walked in to an acid trip. And we used to listen to Rom. That's so where we discovered Rom. So would you kind of get people wasted downstairs and then take them Always, up. always. It was, yeah. they'd see the house and then we'd be like, you guys want to And it was only half the attic. So the thing is, we'd take people up the creepy stairs to the yeah, attic and there's yeah, insulation yeah. on the walls. And then you see the first part of the attic and there's just like nails and wires. And they're like, are you, are you going to like murder me? And then we, and then you just see one slit of light coming through and you'd be like, go forth and you'd go open, everybody'd be shit faced and you'd open it up. And it was just like this twinkling magical and you go up there and like everyone sit down and be like, what is this? Yeah. And we turn on Ramdas and you hear him talk about his first psychedelic trip and he like with Timothy Leary and he, you know, he'd be like, he's like, you know one night we took like L or psychedelics and he's like, and I'm sitting there and I'm like watching myself disappear. And at a moment of terror, you know, realizing that I was not a teacher, I was not a professor. I was not a lover. I was not a cellist. I was not a pilot. What am I? I'm nothing at all. He's like, and then I walked down and he goes, and at least I have my body. And then I looked down and I saw my feet disappearing and my legs disappearing. And he goes, and I started to lose my mind as it went up. And then I disappeared. And then it dawned on me, who's minding the store? What is this? I thought I was gone. And he goes, and that's when I discovered I, that I'm always here, that I'm beyond it all. 
And I think he said he'd never been truly scared from that day forward. Yeah, that's beautifully remembered, by the way. Yeah. So I, I I haven't heard that one for a while, but the that's almost word for word. I love that one. The, yeah, the minding the storm. Perfect. I love that one so much. And he's you just hear him, he's just walking you through it. Yeah, he goes home and he he does he's snowing outside and he I think he lived with his parents at the time and he goes and what is he he shovels the 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 driveway at like five AM just in bliss. His dad looks out the window and he goes, the hell are you doing? No one shovels snow at 5 a.m. And he looks up at him and he goes, it's okay to shovel snow and it's okay to be happy. And I always think about that. Like, it doesn't need to make sense. That was my Reddit username for it before I got banned. The shovel snow, be happy. Oh, really? For, inspired by that? Oh, yeah. Shovel snow, be happy. That was my username. Oh, on Reddit. I got banned. But, uh, but I always yeah. look back to, it's okay to be shovel snow and it's okay to be happy. And to me, when it seems like they're vaccinating everyone and people are having heart attacks and they're censoring and they want less, you know, less energy for everyone and they want to reduce the population. These people are just demons. And I tell myself, no, it's going to get better. Like the little voice is like, it's okay to be happy. It's okay to podcast and it's okay to be happy. Like, I don't, maybe it all does go away and then you die. Well, that's the other whole another bit, isn't it? It's like the mystery of, um, the mystery of death and 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 that's to, to and so i mean i've had a number of very close uh deaths and with each one um the the mystery has expanded i've i've i've, I've known less about oh this is what it's all about and i'm i'm beginning to get to that point where i'm sort of comfortable with that mystery um mm. and i also use it as a kind of um something to compare life with so something you said earlier about you know when making a stand etc and just saying well remember that you are going to die you know that is going to happen and it's like when you kind of think about that and i do think about death, death on a daily basis the, the 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 mystery of it the magic of it the fact that it's just so there you know it's like there even though it's like closeted and twisted by our contemporary culture it's like it's 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 there and it's um i feel that as well is something that kind of motivates me to do what i'm doing whilst i'm embodied you know it it, it certainly it certainly does and i'm getting i'm sensing that's what is the same with you oh yeah whenever you ever have a dream or something where like well you're married so i don't know if you can if you ever have a dream and it's like you're just talking to like a girl you have a crush on or something or you're you're reliving like a high school moment and and like for whatever reason, like you don't ask her out, and then you wake up. But waking up is death to the dream. Mm. And you wake up and you go, why did, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I? Why didn't I ask her out? Or I'm in the dream and I'm like, why didn't I do whatever? How come I didn't do the brave thing? That to me is like I do not want to wake up from this and be like, I can't believe I got banned from Twitter and then I said sorry and went along with the play. It's yeah. just a dream. Yeah, good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. But I kept you 30 minutes longer than I said I would. Um, dude, let's no, do another episode. Let's go down the rabbit hole on Ram Dass and UFOs yeah. and Alan Watts, Terrence McKenna. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Again, Alan Watts, next level. He's, 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 um, oh, no, Terrence McKenna. There's a thing that he said, his, his line is like, nobody knows anything. It's like, wow. 
I, and I quite quite often I'll say that to myself it's like nobody knows anything. It's like wow, that's even that's quite a liberating oh, yeah. uh, statement. It's like you know, it's it's. Um, I mean, we could we could go. Yeah, we could continue for 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 for, for uh, and you're, you're sparking a lot of different thoughts yeah, he, in my mind now. But Terence McKenna's got a great one where he goes, "We have this idea that." It, we all we figure it all out at the end and all the loose ends get tied he goes what enlightenment is is realizing that you just sit with the messiness you die with a lot of unanswered questions you're like i think my parents loved me they probably did you're like yeah i think i was a good person i never did get to see that i always thought we'd maybe bury the hatchet but i he died and i never got to say sorry he's like you just kind of you never find out who whacked Kennedy. He goes, you just get to the end and you go, huh. And that is enlightenment is going, I have no idea what it is. And then lastly, yeah, we'll go on Alan Watts. And it's something I heard like right after I took psychedelics. Like it was like the next day. And it was the, what would you do? What would God do if he got, uh, what would, what was it? Uh, what would God do if he was bored? What if God got bored? And it's, uh, and this is the last thing, and I promise I'll let you go. This sounds like a Bill Hicks quote coming up. Uh, no, no, not quite Bill Hicks. <laughs> Although I found out, I went to college my first two years in Valdosta, Georgia, tiny little town in southern Georgia. And that's where I, where I discovered Bill Hicks. And then I found out that's where he was born, was yeah, Valdosta, Georgia. And then I found out the day I took psychedelics was actually, I think it was his birthday. So I always felt connected with Bill Hicks. But, yeah. um, uh, Alan Watts goes, uh, to me, this one always trumps everything else in terms of it just makes me like stand still. And he goes, I wonder, I wonder, what would you do if God got bored? What if you were God? Well, you could dream any, any, you could dream any dream you wanted to dream. And every night we'll say eight hours of sleep is 80 years of life or whatever interval you want. What's the first thing you do? It would be all pleasure, just sex. It would just be endless sex. The next one might be some food and sex. The next one after that might be some drugs, food, and sex. You go through pleasures and you do that every night, 80 years a night, I don't know, for a year, which is already just, what, 360 lifetimes? He goes, and then you'd get into just a little more beauty. You would see the most beautiful songs, the most beautiful gardens, things like Roman Empire or Babylon, just, just breathtaking. You'd watch Da Vinci paint. You'd go through all these things and then... And then you maybe get a little ego in there. Then you'd be like, well, now I want to be the artist. Now I want to be John Lennon. Now I want to be Jimi Hendrix. And you'd do all those. You'd be the holy man. You'd be Jesus. You'd be Buddha. And then you'd get a little daring. And then you'd be like, I want to fight the dragon. I want to whatever. I want to storm the beaches on D-Day. I want to go over the. I want to be the bagpipe guy going over the wall. And he goes, and they'd be terrifying. And then you might even want to be evil. You might be the dictator. And he goes, but eventually, like, the adrenaline will pull you in, fighting these bad people, these monsters. And then you'd eventually start to incorporate actual pain. And then that would get scary. He goes, and then, you'd, he goes, like children daring each other, you'd push it a little further. And then you would start to suspend your powers. You'd suspend your power of waking up, knowing that you just had to go 80 years. And that would start to really get scary. You actually have to start taking care of yourself. You know, you don't want to drown. You don't want to get captured and tortured. And then you go a little farther and just for brief moments, maybe, maybe every other day you forget that you're dreaming and then it would come back and you'd go, Oh my God. And you'd know that tomorrow you're going to forget again. It's okay. Because eventually this 80 years will end and you'd wake up and you go, dude, that was terrifying. 
And then eventually you'd start to go in because you're the one planning it. You're God. There's nothing else in existence. It's just you. So you'd know that you wake up after 80 years. So then you'd have, then you'd go, what if I forgot I was dreaming at all? And then you'd be anxious and you'd be terrified and you wouldn't know what death is. And then you'd wake up and for the first time you get to experience unbounded bliss and being the creator. And he goes, and then you'd keep doing that. And that would be the, after you've done everything, 80 years a night for centuries, eventually you would dream where you are right now. And that one, I've heard it a thousand times. What would you do? What would God do? If you That's got bored. So I could feel, I could see where that was going. It's like, oh, yeah, no, you can see it a mile away. I'm God. What would That's you do? It. With all of those layers, all of that. I love what that, the do? journey of that, including the forgetting that you're God, you know, yeah. it's like, that's, that, that's wake up, it'll be so great. And who was that? Alan Watts. That's Alan Watts. That's the first thing I ever heard. So what would you eventually do? I don't know. Maybe that's I'd be building great. a podcast in my apartment, talking to Dr. McCullough yeah, and talking yeah, to Mike. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we're kind of scared. We're like, is it the end of the world? Are they going to throw us in a gulag? Because <laughs> it would be so great when you woke up. To me, that one always just like it's like cold water in the face. Yeah, and ultimately, that 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 message again is 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 it's about like you know we are it. We've got everything within us right now yeah. for 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 the our entire incarnation, yeah. and we are we are that God spark. Grandass talks about that. Yeah, like, with the, the Godhead. Yeah. But it's like rather than outsourcing our power to others outsourcing our decisions to others to to realize that you know everything from the stuff that you do that's not great to the stuff that you do that's okay to the stuff that you do that's brilliant it's like it's you and it's like you know that is the empowerment that to to know that we've got everything within us right now that is the that's the key thing and i love the magic of that that's that well, i'm going to try and find that i'm I'll, um, I'll, I'll email to you right now could you please There's, yeah dude i'll send you a couple of emails yeah. Awesome. Oh, this is great. Okay. Awesome. This is your, this is your, you got to go start your podcast, man. This was your, this was your divine intervention. This is Ram Dass speaking through me. This is the, (laughs) this is the guru coming to you. This is Ram Dass will talk about. He's like, like, when someone hits the brakes in front of you, he goes, that's not a bad driver. That's God reminding you to have patience. He goes, that's God reminding. And when you see the, the sirens behind you, he goes, that's not fear. That's God teaching you to be courageous. He was like, everything's a lesson. So I don't know. This is your, uh, I guess this is your spark to start your podcast. I don't know. Thank you so much for this uh, chat today, Tommy. That was really, awesome. Really, that was, really I, th- cool. I thoroughly enjoyed that, man. That's why I do this. I always have these where I remember I'm like, f-. and that's what I mean when I say I don't, I never stop having these. The first half can be this like very serious conversation about sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll just go over the waterfall of Terrence McKenna, just free falling psychedelics. Like, I don't give yeah. a shit. I don't give a shit. Love um, it. Dude, thank, thank you. you so much. I'll email you. Send me the links to your books. I'll put them in the description or if you got a website okay. or whatever. Right now, I will email you that uh, Alan Watts link. And uh, thank you. let's definitely schedule another one. I'd love to shoot the shit with you. You're a cool guy. 100%. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tommy. Oh, yeah, man. Hell Lots yeah. of love to you, mate. Really cool. To you too, brother. Thank you so much. It was so great to meet you. Take you care. Too.